Sunday, May the 9th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Whether you're here with us online or part of our in-person gathering today, we're continuing with our Reset series. You may remember that at the heart of this series called The Reset is about a third of the Old Testament, at least, which is dedicated to God helping his people get through what was for them the biggest crisis of their lives. It is God's way of helping his people cope with what was for them a lockdown, when their way of life was completely disrupted, when they were disorientated, and beyond that, God would reset them, reboot them, and power them up into a new and exciting future, and we're believing exactly the same for us. Over these next few weeks, we are in a particular section of the series which looks at the way that God helped his people deal with their emotions that were very real through that crisis in the same way that our emotions are very real during this crisis. A few weeks ago, we had a couplet in Jonah and Hosea looking at how God helped them handle what was wrong inside them, what they needed to face up to, what was sin. These next few weeks are all about how we face up to the way that we feel and have felt and perhaps are feeling right now. And we're going to look at Lamentations, the book of Job, and complete this little journey in the book of Habakkuk. Helping us think about how God helped the people then to deal with their emotions and so learn for ourselves how God can help us deal with ours. They were in a crisis. What do we do with the way that we feel during a crisis? Sadness, grief, loss, anger, resentment, bitterness, frustration, loneliness. All of those emotions are common perhaps to uh, many crises and certainly common to the crises that we've been in up until now. And the same was true for the people of the uh, Old Testament facing exile. How do you feel? I'm fine. That's it, isn't it? Right there. We are so tempted to ignore or to suppress the way that we feel. And even more so, I think, as Christians, because we know that we should be happy and joyful and glad. We know that we should be trusting in the Lord and full of strength and courage. But to admit the darker side of the way that we feel seems to be a stretch too far. We need to keep up appearances. We need to look right and to say the right thing. But all of that emotion has to go somewhere. And if we don't help that emotion find the right place, it will go to the wrong place. 
if we don't give it an outlet, it will find an outlet of its own. And we certainly know from uh, basic psychology and understanding of our human nature that if we suppress emotions inside us, they will resurface in ways that we don't want in ill health in its broadest sense. Emotion that is uh that is negative, locked inside of us, in the end, only brings us trouble. And that's why this book of Lamentations is fabulous, right at the heart of helping God's people deal with a crisis. God knew that we would need help to deal with our emotions, so he puts a whole book in the Bible, dedicated to it. And if you read the book of Lamentations, you will be overwhelmed with the strength and the power of negative emotions. The writer is raging against what's happening. He's raging against God, not in a dishonorable way, but he's pouring out his anger, his frustration, his disappointment, his regret, his resentment, his bitterness, all that's stirring deep within inside him. And this whole book is dedicated to that outpouring. You see, and this is so important, there is space in the Christian life for lament, for the expression, the true expression of how things make us and have made us feel. The Bible never supports keeping up appearances, just getting on with things and putting a smile on our face as if all is well. The Bible is so committed to keeping it real and keeping us honest. We've seen it in the Psalms, haven't we? Many of the Psalms, the psalmist is pouring out his hurt, his pain, his grief, his sadness, his frustration uh, to God and to anyone else who will listen. It's a godly thing to do, to pour out to God the way that we feel, to even rage at God about things that we wish were different in our lives. He is big enough to take all of our emotion and to pour it out to him is a very biblical godly thing to do. You may remember at the beginning of the year when we were traveling through that journey in our Daniel fast of of Psalm 77, the way he taught us by his example to pour out his heart to God, to pour out all that was dark and grotty and negative and wrong, not to hide it away or to pretend that it doesn't exist or to to gloss over it in some Christian facade, but to get real about where he was with himself and with God. And we know that that Psalm 77 journey led to a wonderful place. But just pause for a minute. We all need to know that there is space for the lament. And as we come out of this pandemic, We need to give each other that space to express, to grieve, to lament, to to pour out the difficulties and the heartaches and the frustrations that the season has brought to us. The sense of loss, 
that we've experienced. And we mustn't rush on too quickly. It is right that all of that gets expressed. As Simon Bankton was helping us just a few weeks ago, it's right that we find time to tell our stories one with another. That's what the book of Lamentations is in the Bible for. Space for lament. You will know if you've listened to me uh, regularly that uh, I'm committed to try and understand the way the scriptures were originally written and what the original writers were hoping that people would hear and see from them and in them. And one of the ways that the Hebrew scriptures were written, what was typical of of that kind of writing, is that the nuggets, the treasures were often hidden. In our way of writing, we we kind of PowerPoint style, we say, this is the big, bold message we want you to to know. We we tell you what we're going to tell you, then we tell you, then we tell you what we've told you, that old uh, preacher saying. But in Hebrew writing, it's to be discovered. The treasure is to be searched for. And Ecclesiastes is like that. You uh, may know that Ecclesiastes is an alphabetic acrostic. That each line begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, which is why the first chapter, why all the chapters, except the middle chapter, and we'll come to that in a moment, why all the chapters have 22 verses in them, each beginning with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. You will notice the chapter three, the middle chapter of five chapters, has three times as many uh, verses. It's a triple alphabetic acrostic. What is the writer pointing to that's in chapter three? Well, another thing that you need to know about Hebrew writings, and it's typical of Lamentations and many other books, is what we called a chiasm. The way the beginning or the first half of a book is directly mirrored in the second half of the book, and the treasure is to be found right in the middle. It's brilliant. Lamentations is a wonderful example of the treasure that the writer wants us to discover. It's a book of awful lament. Read it again and just allow the, you know, you thought you were feeling bad. Wow, this, this, this person, this situation, this writer, this community is, well, they're feeling some stuff for sure. But right in the middle of the book, there is a change in posture. The writer invites us to stop, to sit, to pause, to consider, to sit down in the middle of your lament, to really allow it, to to to, to fill your gaze, to give expression to it. And as the posture begins to change, something wonderful happens just for a few verses in the middle of the book of Lamentations. What happens? Hope rises. Right in the middle of the book of Lamentations, this secret treasure that the writer wants us to understand, to uncover, is that in the middle of our lament, if we give space to our lament, we will be creating space for hope. Hope rises when we pour out our lament to God and find him in the middle of it. That's the treasure in the book of Lamentations, that if you create space to lament, you will be paradoxically creating space for hope to rise. And there are some wonderful verses, aren't there, in this book of hope uh, rising. 
Let me just read a few of them to you. If we get to the to the middle of this book, this chiasm, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, this posture begins to change after all this awfulness of emotion being poured out. And do you know what? I think this is really important. And we see this a lot in prayer ministry and helping people journey through emotional healing is that we feel like our emotion will overwhelm us. But Lamentations reminds us that it doesn't matter how dark and deep the emotion, it doesn't overwhelm, it creates space for hope. Verse 22 of Lamentations chapter 3, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. It's like a little flicker of light in the midst of all this darkness. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, many of us will have sung that chorus, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Did we know that that revelation comes in the middle of lament? And so he goes on. The Lord is good to those who hope, whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And then just a few verses later, it slips back into the grief. You don't leave your grief behind in a moment, but you go back into your grief with renewed hope and with new perspective. And that, as we lay it all before God, is the place of healing. You see, if God was to reboot his people, to reset his people into their future. They would need to deal with what was wrong, but they would also need to deal with all that emotion. We read about it in the New Testament, don't we? Uh, that the sin that so easily entangles and uh, and uh, the weight that lies on us as a result of all of of that, um, that we push on. And so we need to untangle ourselves from all that's wrong, but also all that we're feeling and all the emotion that, that, as I say, can feel so overwhelming. But as we let it all out to God, in that place, when we give space for the lament, we also are giving space for hope to rise. Now, of course, the book of Lamentations was a community affair. Uh, it was being written not just to an individual, but to a community. It was a, a communal lament because we need to help each other in this. It's OK not to be OK, was that uh, 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 tagline from Kintsugi Hope. And we need to grab hold of that. Let's not pretend we're all OK because we're all fragile after everything that we've been through. And it is in being honest, in being open before God and one another, that the first seeds of hope begin to rise. And if you've ever wondered why the book of Lamentations, such a depressing book, was there in the middle of the Bible, well, now you know, that's why. Because as we create space for lament, we are also creating space for hope. Let's pause for a moment. Take this moment with God and reflect on all that he would say to you, how you would respond in these moments. When we pour out our lament to God, he knows. Sometimes it's really tough, isn't it, when you share your heart and someone else goes, yeah, I know. 
But in a much deeper way, when we pour out our hearts to God, he says, yes, I know. And he can take all our emotion, all that's dark within us, because he's already taken it on the cross. So pray with me. Father, we thank you for the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he took on him all that was wrong and all that makes me sick. He carried it all when he went to the cross. No wonder it went dark. But thank you that as he cried out on the cross, it's finished. He'd taken everything, all that is ugly and dark and wrong and hurtful and sad and bitter and twisted in me, in us. And he said, it's finished. I dealt with it. It's over. So we can rage at God today. We can tell him how we feel. We can pour it all out to him because he knows and he's ready to receive it. He's ready to take it from us as we let it go uh, to him. And so maybe as you've been reflecting at the end of uh, uh, this short talk and as we begin to move into communion, uh, just to, to encourage you to say to God something that's honest, that perhaps you've been reluctant to say to him, to yourself or, or to others. Knowing in confidence that at the cross there is everything that we need. By his wounds, we are made whole, the Bible says. And we thank you, Jesus, for this in your name. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we pray for one another at Burlington, your family. Thank you that you've called us into relationship with you and with one another. And so we pray your blessing today on the whole Burlington family. We look forward with great anticipation to when we can be together, when we can worship together, when we can celebrate together, when we can share together, encourage one another together. We long to be able to express the togetherness that has always been true through this whole pandemic. We long to see the fullness, the fruit of our togetherness by physically being in the same place. And we look forward with excitement and anticipation into these coming weeks and months. But we pray for one another in this in-between time, in this transition series season, in this we're, we're getting there, but we're not quite there yet. Recognising that each of us are, are on different journeys and in different situations. And so we pray your blessing on one another now in Jesus name. Would you give people peace in the midst of fear? Would you give people strength where they feel weary? Would you renew people's hope even in the midst of lament? 
We pray also today for all those who were elected this last week and for everyone who has responsibility for our public life. Give them a great sense of godly wisdom, we pray. Give them mercy. Give them a heart for justice. And may they be successful in every endeavour that is good and right and true. Issues of the environment, issues of crime and law and order, issues of keeping our streets safe, issues of education, issues of uh, health care and social services and parks and recreation and, and, and so many things besides that perhaps we are not aware of. Give everyone with responsibility for public life in our town great wisdom, compassion, we pray. And we pray for the upholding of godly values. And we pray that our um, service of the town as the church of Ipswich would find deeper and greater ways to work in partnership with them for the transformation of our town. That ultimately, every little bit of change and transformation for good points to Jesus, the ultimate transformer for all that is good. And so we pray for all those with responsibility in public life. And we do pray for nations of the world, India in particular, battling right now against the coronavirus. Give them every resource that they need. May nations of the world be generous and responsive. May we understand our common humanity. May we know that we are in it together and work that out with great wisdom and understanding. So we pray for leaders on a national and international scale, that you would give them mercy and a great sense of justice, and you would give them success for everything that is right and true and good. And so as we step into this week, may we be carriers of your kingdom values. May we be those that bring righteousness and justice and mercy. May we bring love and grace. And may we be those, having found hope in the midst of lament, may we be those who bring hope to people around us, to everyone that we meet. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.